0: launched an all-out offensive against crime, against narcotics, against permissiveness in our country.
1: The rhetoric of get tough and law and order um, was part and parcel of the backlash of the civil rights movement. Nixon administration official has admitted that the war on drugs is all about throwing black people in jail. He said, quote, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities.
0: We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did.
2: Jimmy's reputation around the neighborhood was no nonsense. Zero tolerance for nonsense. He didn't play, but it was dog eat dog in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. You either you either you either ate food or you were food.
1: Previously, on Born felon.
2: The rumors that's spreading is on some. Tip, like we set them up overthrow the government you got right now which is bad boy and Nas and all that bullshit up in the house
3: you know what the neighborhood was fast everything was fast you got those that was out there running numbers that was out there selling drugs and as you walking back and forth down the block you seen people nodding out off the heroin they was falling asleep on a stoop I got beat up and robbed and got my coat taken. And when I got my coat taken or whatever, you
2: don't want to be a victim. You don't want to be a sucker. What you start doing, you start victimizing
3: people. You start robbing. You start stealing.
1: To understand the climate of the streets of Brooklyn during the 80s and 90s, as well as the stick-up kids, hustlers, shooters, and murderers, I needed a perspective from the other side. William Bill Courtney was an NYPD narcotics detective that was cross-deputized by the FBI and the DEA. He built many cases in Brooklyn, Queens, and across New York City. These drug cases that Bill worked began to bleed over into the hip-hop music industry. He became a savvy investigator who knew the crime figures across the city and how and why they started to infiltrate the hip-hop music world early on. This connection would only go stronger and lead to arrests and investigations. Bill also put me in contact with a confidential informant he worked that was running drugs with Haitian Jack, Tut, and Dexter Isaac. Bill's insight is priceless. He has remained silent for close to 20 years on law enforcement inside this world.
3: For most of my career, I was assigned to federal task forces, whether it was the DEA or the FBI. And so I was cross-designated as a a federal agent, well, what they would call a task force officer. So I could swear out complaints in federal court. I could enforce, you know, Title 21, Title 18, the different federal statutes. And so that gave me mobility throughout the country. and um, But what? how I got into the game was is I was doing some big drug cases with like like Dominicans and um, I found a lot of their clientele with like black guys from Brooklyn. And when I started looking into them I was seeing a lot of violence and I was seeing them all uh, attached to rappers. You know, there was a guy uh, these guys, the Walden brothers and they were all hooked up with Flavor Flav and um, and that crew, and there was uh, Ken Do, this guy Daryl Riley Ken Do, and he was hooked up with Little Kim, and I was like, what is what's going on in this game? That these street players, the rappers are singing about them. They're attaching themselves to them, and um, there's something here. It's like a conspiracy here, and it might just be a um, them paying homage to the to the street dealers, but it might be a little bit more. So. Um, I just found it interesting and I found out there was this, you know, subculture um, that came about and um, there was a lot of violence attached to the rap game because of the Tupac biggie feud and um, and the fight, uh, not only were guys fighting for, for turf wars now, they were fighting to get a big enough name so they could get a rapper and attach themselves to the rapper. So, it became a part of, like, the, the struggle of the street game was to be insinuated into the into the music industry. And then, uh, you know, the guys like Jimmy and Jack were the guys who actually climbed up closer to being legitimate, but ultimately couldn't stay out of the game. And it was ultimately there. Their, uh, they brought the game with them, and it uh, destroyed them. It was outside New York City radio station Hot
0: 97 last week. Police say it was Lil' Kim's posse versus Friends of Foxy Brown. Five guns in all, 21 shots fired, and one man shot in the back. I'm just an
3: aggressive, uh, aggressive detective who makes lots and lots of arrests. And when there's opportunities to get into the different task forces, you know, you, you, uh, you apply to go to them and, you know, look at your record and everything else. So it was just being, you know, aggressive and, um, you know, I had um, I was a major, you know, I, I locked up anybody who didn't move got arrested and I like doing uh, long term investigations. So the kind of cases like instead of just going out and waiting for a, like a bank robber to show up, you know, you're doing a long term case, you're putting the pieces together. And um, that kind of became my specialty, was putting conspiracies and, um, you know, like weco cases together.
1: What Bill didn't mention is that this was a time in New York City where Rudy Giuliani, the then mayor, had dismantled the mafia. The big cases to make was no longer in organized crime. And with 50 Cent, Puffy, Jay-Z, and a few other guys making headlines behind violent incidents for guys like Bill, where there's smoke, there's fire. He knew if he could connect the rising billion dollar business with legendary street figures, That was sexy. That was a career-making case.
3: 15th, 1970 was one of the most important dates in mob history, but at the time, most mobsters and their defense attorneys didn't know it. This was the date RICO, or the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, was signed into law by then President Richard Nixon. Carl Syphakis writes that prior to RICO, a top mafioso or two was forced to do a short prison stretch. Terms, as they said, they could do sitting on their heads. If you're, you're patient, you'll get him. And so, you know, and then you see a guy like TT or somebody, and you take a shot at him, figuring out, look, this guy's desperate. Let me see if I can get him to cooperate. And he would never really truly cooperate, but he did take the stand temporarily to, you know, for, uh, for, for just to say that You know, someone broke into his apartment, I should say. He couldn't rat. He had to play the street code, but he said enough um, to get these guys put away. And he did it more or less for his girlfriend.
1: Bill is talking about one of his confidential informants that hung around Haitian Jack's crew. He was open to talking to me and divulging information. A guy like that was a survivor. He was able to get out of the drug game without a long prison sentence. Still residing in Brooklyn, he wanted to conceal his identity and name. He was tied up by Haitian Jack and almost killed. His girlfriend was also tied up and possibly raped. These times in Brooklyn were cutthroat. Stick up kids would roam the streets looking for prey. Haitian Jack was one of the best and also the most feared. Tupac fell under his spell. Jack was charismatic, hung out with Madonna, and at every hot New York City nightclub.
0: When does, like, the whole patient Jack and Jimmy and these guys come on your radar in regards to... And when do you realize that they're, that they're somehow or other either extorting
3: Tupac or... Um,
0: what, how does that come across your
3: radar? When I heard about 50 Cent getting shot, and I knew who the players were, and I heard him sing about Haitian Jack, um, and then I looked into Jack, and I found out, like, yeah, he's got the music industry locked down, and he has this re- this feared reputation on the street. I was like, wow, I gotta I got take a shot at this guy. So I a um, and uh, ultimately, I don't want to get into the fact whether he would have agreed to cooperate He was never a signed-up uh, CI or anything like that. But um, I did arrest him on two occasions.
1: For years, many people have speculated that Haitian Jack ultimately became a high-level government informant. Bill has always wavered on the record about this information. It was obvious from our conversations that Bill and Jack had a unique relationship. Many people would have frowned upon the number of times that Jack and Bill talked. My assumption is that Jack was an informant, but was never put on any official documents. At the federal level, this would have been very easy. The FBI is known to play fast and loose with their informants, whether in large-scale mafia cases or drug cases that come out of the Eastern and Southern districts. The FBI never played fair, and anyone caught in their web was bound for a life of misery. To this day, no one has the definitive answer on the legend of Haitian Jack and whether he was the ultimate rat. Erring on the side of caution, we'll have to wait until some kind of federal documents surface stating otherwise.
3: Who insulted him in empty light Uh... One evening, and it was basically they had some kind of beef because they had some business together that had gone bad. But um, I can get it, I, I think I can get it. I've had conversations with Jack's attorney that I can speak to on how Tupac thought that Jack was cooperating or when he got mad at Jack uh, because Jack's attorney Paul Brenner used to represent the police union at one time. Jack tried, uh, Tupac tried to make it appear as though um, Jack was a police informant and they gave him the, a, an attorney, which is just ludicrous. Um, and Tupac was crazy. And so, you know, um, he would do anything. Like, Jack was trying to tell him, look, I got a good lawyer. This guy is, you know, he represents cops who get in trouble and everything else. got to take a plea.
1: Bill is referencing Tupac's infamous sexual assault trial, where Tupac was ultimately found guilty.
2: Wishy she claimed I can't even say it, man. Okay, like, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's actually, technically it's a rape case. I wasn't convicted of no rape charge. My charge was sexual abuse, forcibly touching the buttocks. I have emails saying that, I I can't say it, but okay. it just <laughs> bothers me so much, you know what I'm saying, to go through my life and everything I did in my life, coming out of a family and a household with just women, mm-hmm. to get to this point, to have a woman who mm-hmm. said that I took something from. It was hard. I'm not capable of doing any harm to any woman. That's really the main thing. You know what I'm saying? I I do mess up. I do act crazy. I do get drunk. I do have parties. I do, you know, get into little fist fights with God, but I'm not capable of doing any harm to a woman. You know, taking something from her or anything. That's not me. That's that's that'll never be me. They will ever have to worry about me hurting kids or a woman or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? That's not me. I'm a victim. I would never make anybody a victim of, you know, that's not me. I would fight people bigger than me or stronger than me, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a victim, but I would never, you know what I'm saying, oppress somebody. I'm oppressed.
1: It was this event, along with the attempted robbery of Tupac at Quad Studios, that ultimately set in motion the feud between Biggie, Puffy, Jimmy Henchman, and any individuals that were in Times Square at Quad Studios
3: that Jack should take the heat and uh, you know he wanted to be a player but then when it came down to doing jail time um, he got mad at these guys and he shot his mouth off and that was what led to all his trouble
0: why did he why did he get mixed up with Jack and all those guys
3: you know I guess he started so he started uh, when he got big in the music game he came across guys like Biggie, Junior Mafia and all those guys and you know, Jack and his crew were legends in Brooklyn and they were going to the clubs and they were like going to outside the clubs robbing everybody of their Rolexes robbing all the drug dealers and the the players
4: and so there was a time where Jack had robbed Steve Stout and I called Steve Stout and I was like, you want me to get your watch back? Steve Stout at that time was working under Tommy Matola, And he was working under Jimmy I.V. And I knew how much of a punk that fucking Jack was. And I knew he had something to do with me getting arrested. He was hanging out with them at the time. Because Wyclef was my guy. So when I went away, he hitched up under Wyclef. So... When I called Steve Stout and I was like, you want me to get your watch back? You have your watch in 24 hours. They all thought Jack was a tough guy. I called the studio where Jack was at, man. I told him, man. I told him, dude, get that man back his watch, man. Those are my people, man. You robbed him. It's like you robbing me, man. And sure enough, Steve Stout got his watch back. So... It came a situation where you had guys like Jack who was moving in on the music business. If they didn't know how to finesse their way through it, they wanted to rob guys for their Rolex and do all that stupid stuff. This call is from a federal prison. They just could never figure it out. They could never finesse a deal. They could never do nothing in the game like I did.
1: See, that was the difference between the names that Jimmy was associated with and what he was doing while Jack was robbing guys like Steve Stout and who knows who else. Jimmy had groove theory. He had a team of producers. He had Bryce Wilson. He had a studio and an office. He saw a path to something more. The question is, what does it take to remove yourself from a path that maybe you are destined to be on? This wasn't specific to Jimmy. This story is told over and over. Al Pacino doing one last score in Carlito's Way. Robert De Niro in Heat. The idea that as a gangster, you can make it right. You can leave the life behind, but can you really? That is what I was fascinated with. Are there second acts in life? Or is that only something that sounds good in a movie?
3: And they have this reputation as, you know, really like, uh, really bad, tight, tight crew of, of thugs. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, so when, when Tupac starts, you know, uh, collaborating with other artists, he, he gets these guys start coming to the shows and he liked that lifestyle. And he let, he liked being around these really bad, tough guys, but ultimately he wasn't. And, uh, he didn't want to do jail time, and um, he made some, some bad choices talking to A.J. Benza and other people and complaining and making allegations.
0: What was the A.J. Benza thing in the daily news? He, he did he say, he, he then goes on or talks to the newspaper about Jack and these guys? Does he name them specifically?
3: The, the way I understood it, he told A.J. Benza that Mike Tyson, him, about these guys, this guy, Haitian Jack, set him up and uh, or uh, got him got him in trouble and ruined his career and everything. Now he's got to go to jail. And he didn't do anything wrong kind of thing.
2: So where are those people that did this? They were all in the same hotel as me. They were all right in the same room as me. Why am I the only one in court right now? Why is the cameras all on me? And in the report and all these charges, I didn't do nothing. I'm, I'm charged with being in concert with some guys. Well, where were they at? Why me? Cause I'm Tupac. No, I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at the system. I don't want nobody else to go to jail. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to go to jail for something I didn't do.
3: You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to be the scapegoat. And uh, Jack had taken was smart. He took a plea for like six months or a year on a sexual abuse count. And um, you know Tupac was a, was an asshole, and and he took this to trial and he humiliated this girl. You know she had to come forward. Um and uh, it really was ridiculous. Because hell
2: have no fury like a woman scorned. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm, I'm guilty of a lot of things. I'm guilty probably of being a male chauvinist pig. I'm guilty of probably um, not caring as much as I should. I'm guilty of not spending enough time with people like I should, but I'm not guilty of rape. Just because I don't want to be with that girl don't mean that she has the right to say that I did all these things that I didn't do. You know what I'm saying? Just because, I mean, of course I can't spend my life with all the girls that I, I, you know, I, I, I spend time with, but I'm not married. You know what I'm saying? That's not a crime for me to be promiscuous. It's not a crime for me to be with any girl I want to be with it's a crime for that girl to turn that into a rape
3: charge it was um you know he was setting tupac didn't know it but he was setting the stage now for the east coast west coast wars um but what the story i have is not only did did, you know after he went to jail was he was harassed but these guys actually had him raped in jail and um and so he was furious and hell-bent on revenge when he came out, when he signed with Shug, you know, he was all about getting even with these East Coast guys. Now, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying he was, you know, raped in jail because I have nothing to base it on other than a couple of people telling me that. But I, I would say that, you know, uh, they they not only did he, he eventually have to do time for that, that sexual assault, but he... Um, He was given a hard time in jail by people connected to to Jack and his crew. The way the story goes is these guys are pissed that he makes the statement to A.J. Benza. He's got a short period of time left before he has to go do his time. And he's, uh, you know, he has an opportunity to do some tracks with Junior Mafia and Biggie down at Kawhi Studios.
1: The correction on Bill's account via Jimmy Henchman is that he was going to do a track from Little Sean who was managed by Jimmy at the time. This is a critical point to make when documenting the relationship between law enforcement and the underbelly of hip-hop. Sometimes law enforcement misses or confuses nuanced details. When you are dealing with stories within this world, nuance is everything. These gangsters were smart enough to put out red herrings in the press and use subterfuge to blame other people. In this day and age, not in the 90s when these events took place, the internet has fueled a culture of false rumors, dual narratives, and lies. Talking directly to the gangsters and talking to the real players in jail is the only way to get to the truth. Even then, sometimes the truth is still murky.
0: Why do you think the NYPD never were able to just go and and say, hey, this is what happened at Bond Studios, this is the person that did it, and we're going to put this this whole case to bed? Because it wasn't a murder and
4: because it was an assault, I think that they kind of felt that it doesn't need to be solved. Um, Let the rumors be out there. Whatever that rumor created People say that it was a, a, a so-called war between East and West. That's what triggered it. Um, I think, you know, none of the record companies... You can't only blame NYPD. I also blame the record companies. I blame Interscope as much as I blame Arista um, with Bad Boys. Um, yeah, I blame Arista with Bad Boys as much as I blame Interscope, as much as I blame NYPD, because yeah. it, you're, you're, in Times Square, you're in Times Square, and you got cameras, and you have all these things, you have witnesses, there's no way why it shouldn't have been solved. I, in fact, I wish it was solved, because so that way it wouldn't fall on my shoulders as fast. You know, yeah. but, um, you know, anytime you can, you can link a, a, a character especially if it's a... It, it, you know, if it, Tupac's assault ended up becoming what Kennedy's assassination was in Dallas. It just yeah. was like the shooter at, it, on the grassy nose and these, all these theories and they just couldn't hands in it. It just became so complex. Um, and and I, I'm sure the record company resources with the NYPD resources, this could have been solved.
1: What was more interesting than the circus of the quad studio shooting of Tupac was that Jimmy was able to navigate the minefield that was 1980s New York City into the early 90s and have some success in the industry. The question was, could he make a full transition at that time? Was the legend of Jimmy Henchman too strong to outrun? Could the rise of the hip-hop music business be his answer or did his past carry too much weight that at every turn he would face more mounting problems when you have the street cred that jimmy did law enforcement don't forget about you what actually happens is they start to wonder even if it isn't true how the hell is this guy still operating next time on born felon
4: had to always prove myself. Nothing was given to me. That's all I know. All I know out of life is going to get it. And a lot of these guys didn't want to do it. They wanted to sit back on the Sunset at the Beverly Hills Hotel, or at the at the Paramount in New York, or, or wherever. And, and they wanted to they wanted the acts to come to them. And this is the thing that when the police is investigating me and the prosecutor Todd Kaminsky and them is investigating me and they see if I'm in Chicago and I'm meeting with, with some vice lords or some GDs, they thinking I'm going over there to talk to them like I'm some gang leader. But if the GDs feel comfortable talking to me about an act they got, and if I'm in that vicinity and I go and I go to a neighborhood that is gang infiltrated, I, what is wrong that I go in the neighborhood to the people that I know and talk to them about, hey, you got an act? Let me hear them come to the studio, or let's go to the studio. And this was the problem. This wasn't only because I was doing that in Chicago and in Detroit. I was doing that in Miami. I was doing that in California. I was doing it in the Bay Area. And they were looking at me like, yo, this guy is way too strong. This is what I believe. I believe they just felt I was way too strong.